The following program has been paid for by the Truth and Liberty Coalition. The political views expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this station. Welcome to a special Truth and Liberty broadcast with Andrew Womack. Today, Andrew is joined by several political leaders as they discuss the importance of the upcoming election and why you need to vote your values. Christians need to participate. We can't do this without God. We are having a pitch battle about whether America is going to remain a free nation or whether it's going to become something very, very different. This election and what happens in the next six months may very well determine what happens with the future of this country. And now, here's Andrew. Today we are having a very special broadcast. All of this week, I've been doing uh, something special. We're playing a panel discussion that came from our Summer Family Bible Conference, and we had Bill Federer, uh, General Jerry Boykin, Tony Perkins, E.W. Jackson, and Janet Boynes, uh, and myself. We were sharing about some of the social, political issues, and I tell you, these things need to be addressed. On today's program, we're going to talk about some of the race issues. And we've got E.W. Jackson. Man, I just love this brother. He is awesome. And he is going to share some things with you that I promise you will bless you. Uh, this is very pertinent. And so I encourage you to listen to it. And at the end of the program, I'm going to come back and share some very special information with you about how we need you to help us pay for this week's broadcast because it's not coming out of our normal An Andrew Womack Ministries account. This is a special Truth and Liberty broadcast. So I'll be back at the end of today's program. Let's discuss the economy because socialism and stuff affects the economy. Like one of the things that I've noticed during this time that all of the cities that are like, you know, they're wanting to take the government stimulus money and pay their debts. Nearly every one of them are democratic controlled states and cities that have mismanaged things. This government mentality, government doesn't do anything as well as the private sector. And so socialism and the economy are definitely intertwined. How is this election going to be affecting the economy? Well, people have said to me, well, capitalism is contrary to Christianity because capitalism is based on greed and capitalism is based on selfishness. And Jesus was a socialist. Have you heard that one? Yeah. Uh, yeah they've, been, they've been selling that one for a long time. Well, here is why I am a dyed-in-the-wool capitalist and supporter of free enterprise and why I believe it's completely consistent with Christianity. It is not that we believe that capitalism or free enterprise is perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect system. It's attributed to Churchill, but I don't really know whether he's the one who said it, but I'm sure you all have heard it. You know, capitalism is the worst system in the world, except for all the others. So it's, it's not perfect, but it is the fairest and the most efficient way to distribute goods and resources that's ever been devised. Uh, I know that uh, Bill can probably speak to this more deftly than I can, but the first experiment with socialism in America was a guy named Robert Owens. 
during John Adams' presidency, we started a place called the New Harmony Society, and everybody's gonna own everything in common, and everybody's gonna have everything in common, and people were going to work at whatever, they, at whatever level they felt comfortable, but then they would share and share alike. You know how long that lasted, don't you? And by the way, his own son, Robert Owen's own son said, my father had a nice theory, but it doesn't work. And it's, it's been true throughout human history. It simply doesn't work. When you tell people that they have to work and most of what they have will be given to someone else because that's the fair thing to do, you disincentivize work. And everywhere it's been tried, they tried it in Russia, Soviet Union. They tried it in, in China. They tried it in Cuba. They tried it in Venezuela. They've tried it everywhere, and it produces mass starvation because people want to do the minimum they feel they need to do to take care of themselves and nothing more because they're not gonna be rewarded for it. And so free enterprise has produced what we call the United States of America. I mean, how can you argue with the difference? When China finally figured their people were gonna starve if they didn't do something, uh, uh, Deng Xiaoping, came up with, you know what, we're going to liberalize. <laughs> we're going to start allowing people to own property. We're going to start having some free enterprise. And guess what? China took off and, and achieved a 13% annual growth rate. And of course, they're still growing, but of course, they maintain their totalitarian system, which means it's not really a free country. But nevertheless, free enterprise allowed them to grow. So, so folks, we, we, we can't, the Democrat Party has become a de facto socialist party, and they want from you to someone else because they determine that what you have is too much and what someone else has is too little and they're gonna take from you and give to them and it's a fail system and our young people really need to be taught that. And Tony, you've been involved with the president. You helped uh, on a lot of policy things and we've had the strongest economy in the history of this nation until this virus hit. What's your opinion on this with the economy and, and the parties? Well, you're absolutely right. We saw the lowest unemployment rates, historic lows in unemployment rates, strong economy. But I, I, I want to just touch on what uh, the bishop said about the, the issue of the faults, the fault lines in capitalism. There are fault lines. And in fact, what's happened, we've seen in the last decade where we see these scandals, you know, on, the, on Wall Street, we see... Uh, the exploitation of certain workers, you know, there's, it's happening. Uh, part of the immigration issue is that the big, the big companies, they want cheap labor. So there are issues, but here's the bottom line. The reason that we have the exposure of the fault lines in our capitalist system is because the moral foundation has eroded. And follow, connect the dots. There has been the attack on truth and on the moral foundation, kicking God out of our schools, kicking God out of the public square, kicking God out of the marketplace. And all of a sudden when things start to implode because there's no longer a foundation, then we say it's time to get rid of the system. No, it's time to get God back in America again at every level. Amen. Amen. Well, the next one we're going to talk about is racial equality. What's happening in our nation right now? Well, I, I want to hear what Janet has to say, so I, but I'll, I'll start it off briefly with, with a sort of a spiritual reflection. And I've said this all over the country when I've had a chance to, to talk about it. 
part of the reason why we're in the situation we're in and we see all these institutions sort of bowing to Black Lives Matter is that we fail to understand that we really don't have a racial problem. We've had a sin problem. Sin is the problem that divides us and it divides us on all kinds of bases. And really what we've got to do is call our culture, as Tony was saying, call our culture back to God. Because I've said many times before, how can I look at you because you have a different complexion than I have and hate you or, or look down on you when I know God made you the same way he made me and loves you the same way he loves me and wants the best for you the same way he wants the best for me. So we've got to get away from the collectivist mindset, and that's what the, the socialists are using race for, to create a collectivist mindset, and get back to what Dr. King talked about. He's seeing each other and evaluating people based upon the content of their character, not the color of their skin. One thing about the Black Lives Matter, do you really think they care about race? Planned Parenthood was built for black people to get abortion. You think about that. There's more blacks getting abortions than anybody in the United States, if I'm correct. I know that God died for all people, and I'm sure I'm gonna get a lot of emails, so bring it on. Not just black lives. Now, are we being, is there racism? Absolutely. I was jacked up by the cops at one time Throw, threw me up against the cop car for no reason at all. So we know that this is happening, but is this how we handle racism? By burning down buildings? We have to live here in the United States of America, folks. And let me say this, I know Vice President Biden said, well, if you vote for Trump, you're not considered a black person. Well, I'm gonna say this. I don't care if you're black or white. If you vote for Biden, are you really a Christian? Because not only does he support abortion, but he depends on the black vote. We can't sell ourselves short like this, folks. Let me read something that President Obama said. He said, um, if you grow up without a father in a home, you are 12 times more likely to end up in prison, nine times more likely to live a life of poverty, and six times more likely not to graduate from high school. We don't really have a black problem. We're not just a black, we're not just a racist problem. We have a fatherless problem. We have a fatherless problem, I'm sure you can speak on that. A lot of black men that are incarcerated, I believe if our fathers were around, we might not be in the place that we are today. And if we were able to be educated, maybe like whites and others, I believe that we wouldn't be in the place today. I don't believe that God really wanted us to be in slavery. That wasn't God. He died for all people. So I'm saying that if you're in a place that you're thinking about, you know, while well, I'm a racist or my grandparents were a racist, I think it's your responsibility to teach your kids about all races. Look, you, you can't, and, and, and by the way, I, I appreciate everything you've had to say, Janet. You can't 
get from where you are to where you're going in your car by staring in the rearview mirror. You try that, you're gonna crash. And we've got people who have convinced us, keep your eyes in the rearview mirror. Now, I can't do anything about what happened in the past, and neither can you. And may I just say as a footnote, for anybody who's watching, I don't need any white folks to bow down to me, apologize to me, wash my feet. I, I mean, I'm really tired of all that nonsense because you're not a slave owner and I'm not a slave. So why are we, why are we talking to each other about stuff that ended 150 years ago? We, we've got to teach, our, we as Christians have got to start teaching our children Stop being obsessed over what you think someone else has done to you and start obsessing over what God wants to do with you. That's the issue. And look, Janet is right. I, I know they're, they're, they're racist because as wonderful as our country is, we've got idiots here too. We know that. But I'll tell you one thing, I believe this. And, and, and every Christian, this is what I, I don't, the, when the world, when people who are not Christians teach their children something different, I kind of understand it because they don't know any better. But my father wasn't even a born again, spirit filled believer, but he honored God. He believed in God. He believed there was a God. And my father taught me after having been in foster care for 10 years, son, the stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And he was telling me that to let me know that even though you might have felt rejected, God will take that and do something with it. And he taught me that the word of God says when God opens a door, no one can close them. Instead of teaching these young people that you can't because they won't let you, it's hopeless, it's bad, you, there's just no hope, and you it's basically subjecting them to a life of drug dealing and street life, you ought to tell them the Spike Lees and the LeBron James and the Oprah Winfrey's and the E.W. Jackson of the world, here's how I did it, here's what you can do to make it too, and nobody can stop you if you make up your mind that you want to do something with your life. That's the message we got to get across to them. And, and you know what's so funny, too, is that a lot of people will call us, I'm sure, and Uncle Tom, and say that we're not black because we're not supporting their worldview. You know how I got to where I'm at today? There wasn't not one black person that really stood beside me when I was coming out of homosexuality. It was the white community that helped me. It wasn't the black community because most of them told me that I could live that way. Why are you gonna change? They didn't come to me and sit me down and try to educate me on homosexuality. It was my white brothers and sisters that came to me and said, you can be changed. You can know Jesus as your Lord God. I moved in with a white family at the age of 40. That's where I learned how a man should treat a woman and how a woman should treat a man. Not one black person came to me and I knew many to help me have a better understanding about male and female or how to dress or how to act like a woman. And you say that you're black? Really? Barack Obama didn't do much for us when he was in the White House, Come on. but turned the White House rainbow. 
President Trump has done more for the black community than President Obama did. It's not about the color of your skin. It's not about that. It is who is living and doing things according to biblical principles. Let me say something, and if I'm wrong, you're free to tell me that I'm wrong, especially E.W. and Janet, but any of you. But I think that certainly there is racism. There are people that hate others because of the color of their skin. Like you said, we got knuckleheads here like anybody anywhere else. So racism does exist, but I think one of the things that exasperates this is that as a whole, the black community believes what this Democratic says, that it is systemic racism and that all whites are racist, even if you don't know it, that you are racist. And so there is this concept that all whites hate them. It, it exasperates the situation. Well, uh, um, Andrew, look, they have help thinking that because there are people, and often, by the way, they're, they're, they're coming from our American, our fellow Americans of European descent who are the real sophisticates and elites in socialism and Marxist thinking who are training folks to think this way. Because if you want a revolution, you gotta stir people up. You've gotta convince them that the situation is so bad that it's hopeless. And unless you throw off the system, nothing good can happen. As you all see that Black Lives Matter leader in New York said, we're gonna burn the system down. Well, look, I've come up with a phrase, you, like Andrew said, you know, you can say things I can't. I, I call it racial obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, when you see everything through the lens of race. And this is what they want. And you're right. And, and people like me have to step up. I've had people complain to me when I said, you know what, I'm 68 years old. I have never had a bad intera interaction with a cop. Not once. And I, I got a little bit of a heavy foot from time to time on the gas. And so I've been pulled over a few times. And I say, my only concern is, is he gonna give me a break or give me a ticket? Not, is he gonna hurt me? Is he gonna kill me? Is he, but you know, we're taught to think, you, you get stopped by a cop, your life is in your hands. One woman actually said on national television that Rayshard Brooks, they said, she said, Rayshard Brooks fought because we've learned that if you don't fight the police, you're gonna get killed. She actually said that. It's just the opposite. If you wanna fight cops, something bad's gonna happen to you. And that's the advice Andrew, that people are being given, and there are just a few voices out here like Janet and me and a number of others that I could name who are saying it's a lie. The police are not out to get you. They're not out to hurt you. If you treat them with respect, they will treat you with respect. But let me say one other thing. I want to get this in. You know, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. And what we want ultimately, Andrew, is for, for every American to have a vision that evaluates things on the basis of what they are, not on the basis of our inner internal obsessive ideas about things. So right now, for example, I don't care if a black person shoots at a cop, if he gets killed in that interaction, it's racism. It's by definition, it's racism. Well, maybe the cop was actually trying to save his life and the lives of others. But we're not even allowed to evaluate it on the basis of what actually happened because race 
poisons and perverts our ability to do that. And my vision for our country is to come to a place where we just see each other as individuals, see every situation as an individual situation to be evaluated on its own merit, Amen. not on the basis of race. Bill, could I get you to quickly comment on this? But we heard a politician in just the last few weeks say something about America invented racism. Would you just give a little perspective that really white and black slavery and stuff, slavery has been in existence in throughout history, and actually there's been more whites enslaved than blacks. Yeah, so the Jews were slaves in Egypt. Uh, Athens, 60% of the people in Athens were slaves. They were just other Greeks that were captured. Uh, you had the Romans. You'd have Julius Caesar conquered in Europe and captured people and brought them. Well, he captured people that were called Slavs, Yugoslav, Czechoslav, Slovenia, Slovakia. And they, he captured and brought them and gave them out as permanent servants, so much so that the word Slav got the connotation of a permanent servant. That's where the word came from. Muhammad owned black slaves. In Arabic, they have one word for African and a slave. It's abid. So, so all of the caliphs owned African slaves. And so they started a slave trade. They had slave markets for blacks in Timbuktu, where the canoe meets the caravan, Niger River, uh, Khartoum in southern Sudan, Zanzibar Coast, Tanzania, Mozambique. And uh, then Columbus discovers America. And some of the Spaniards enslave some of the Native Americans and a Catholic priest, Bartolome de las Casas, spends his whole life, finally gets the King of Spain to outlaw the enslavement of Native Americans. And the greedy people say, where can we get more slaves? And someone said, Africa. So they go to the Muslim slave markets and they buy Africans. And uh, it continues for centuries. Uh, even David Livingston, the Scottish missionary to the Congo, writes about how he stumbled across a line of 500 Africans shackled together, being marched through the jungle a thousand miles to the coast and uh, by the Arab Muslim slave traders. And if they walk too slow, they just shoot them. And he says, you could tell where the slave trails were by looking for the vulture circling. And then he said that he went through a village to witness the gospel, goes back a year later, ghost villages. They were all rounded up. Somebody gave David Livingston a little steamboat to go up the rivers. He says it kept breaking because it would hit the bodies of the Africans that the Muslim slave traders would push in there. Even um, the founder of the Boy Scouts, uh, Baden-Powell, uh, he was stationed in Africa. And he talked about the Ashanti king selling his own people into slavery and many times for human sacrifice. And um, anyway, so... There, there really was never an abolitionist movement in the Muslim world. The abolitionist movement really started in America with the Quakers. Remember Betsy Ross was a Quaker, so the Betsy Ross flag is an anti-slavery flag. Betsy Ross. That. And so the Quakers, and so then Ben Franklin became the first president of the first anti-slavery society in America. And they began to spread Anthony Bezanet's book around, and Patrick Henry read it and says, I can no longer defend slavery. Patrick Henry introduces a bill to outlaw the importation of slaves into Virginia. Washington decides to free all the slaves at his death. And we begin to see this movement going across America. Um, there were five groups before the Civil War. Extreme radical Republican North said slavery's wrong, end it now. The moderate Republican North said slavery's wrong, but let's transition out of it over time. You want to don't put them on the street if they can't even read, teach them a trade. Then you had the neutral that didn't really care about issues of life and human rights. Then you had the moderate Democrat South that said slavery's wrong, 
but we got to live with it. It's been here for centuries. Just treat your slave nice. And then the extreme Democrat South that said slavery's good. Let's import it into the new territories coming into the Union, and let's force the people in the North to participate in the uh, fugitive slave law. So if a slave escapes, you, you know, and so there was an escaped slave in Ripon, Wisconsin, or in one of those towns in Wisconsin, 5,000 white Wisconsins go to the jail, bust the door down, and free the black man. And the next year, those guys went to Ripon, Wisconsin, and started the Republican Party, which had two planks, eliminate polygamy, which, which was going on in Utah, and eliminate slavery. One quick thing. Since we're in the process of tearing down everything that represents the slave or racist past, we ought to begin with the Democrat Party, because it's the party of slavery. Thank you for joining us for this special broadcast brought to you by the Truth and Liberty Coalition. Praise God, wasn't that powerful? I tell you, the truth is what sets people free, and there's a lot of lies and deception and, and fake news out there today, and I think we set some things straight. You need to get this panel discussion. We call it America on the Brink panel discussion. And this is a DVD that has the entire two plus hours worth of discussion. Plus we're throwing in our In God We Trust musical. I tell you, this is powerful. If any of you have ever seen any of the musicals that the Murins, the people who work and run our creative arts department uh, have produced, if you've ever seen them, this is in that same uh, mode. It is first class. It's powerful. This is patriotic. I mean, we had people crying and standing up and cheering. It's awesome. Both of these things are yours when you become a member of our Truth and Liberty Coalition. You can go to our website. The information's on the screen. And if you become a member for $5 or more per month, then you get both of these. And I promise you, they'd be a blessing. And plus, not only would it bless you, it would equip you so that you could share these truths with other people and make a difference. So listen to our announcers, they give you more information. The panel discussion on today's program is only a portion of Andrew's entire interview titled America on the Brink with Tony Perkins, E.W. Jackson, General Jerry Boykin, Bill Federer, and Janet Boynes. You can get the entire panel discussion on DVD as our free gift to you when you join with Truth and Liberty by becoming a member today. Also included with your membership, you'll receive the brand new theatrical DVD titled In God We Trust. This patriotic DVD features reenactments of significant American historical events along with inspiring musical numbers. You can become a member of Truth and Liberty Coalition and get both of these valuable resources by going to truthandliberty.net. While there, you'll discover other valuable resources, including voter guides, candidate information, party platforms, and much more. Truth and Liberty Coalition is a nonprofit 501c4. Donations are not tax deductible, but are essential in helping us fulfill our mission of positive change in our nation. Visit truthandliberty.net today to become a member or call our helpline at 719 635-1111 and stand with Andrew in promoting godliness in our nation.
Hello, I'm here with Richard Harris, who is the chief counsel for our Truth and Liberty. This is a 501c4, a political arm of Andrew Womack Ministry, where we're getting involved in changing our culture. And we just wanted to take this opportunity to encourage you to get out and vote. It's not just a privilege, it's a responsibility. And on our Truth and Liberty website has a lot of information there that could really help them. Amen. So go to our website, truthandliberty.net, and under the resources tab, you'll find voting resources. And there you can register to vote, find voter guides, you can find out who your representatives are and lots of other helpful information. And how they voted and yeah. stuff, so you don't have to listen to their rhetoric. That's you right. can judge them based on what they've done. That's right. But most importantly of all, take your responsibility to get out and vote in the primaries, in the general election, so check it out, truthandliberty.net, and get out and vote.